Okay, welcome back everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Robinson. Um, I am the director of Aimpoint RPL. We are a veteran owned and operated uh, training provider delivering um, products such as RPL and uh, registered qualifications, um, largely for defence members um, as they transition out and, and defence industry. Um, we are running these podcasts really as a uh, opportunity to promote discussion within the veteran community, um, to share largely our, our ideas and thoughts and so forth, but we're starting to develop a, a list of other um, speakers that you'll start to hear from in the, in the coming podcasts from big companies such as BAE and so forth, um, to share their journey, share discussions. Um, and we're really hoping that everyone's enjoying this. Please reach out to us, uh, give us your feedback, anything that you'd like to hear from us, discuss. If you'd like to talk about anything, feel free again to reach out and let us know and we'll put you on. Um, and yeah, so uh, I have with me today, um, as always, Matthew Wilkinson. Um, Matt works here at Aimpoint, looking after a lot of our training development um, internally. Um, and Matthew is leading and will lead this discussion in terms of the, uh, the interview. So hand over to you, Matt. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, yeah, it's, it's great to be back. And this episode, we're going to focus on RPL, um, which is something I personally knew nothing about uh, several months ago when, when I came on board and started uh, working for you. So it's, it's something that I want to hopefully just get, let's start perhaps with a broad term of what RPL is, and then we can get kind of into the nitty gritty of it because um, I, I, I do wonder the, the general consensus out in the, in the public is, 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 do a lot of people know what RPL even is? Yeah, no, thanks, Matt. Um, look, RPL is, is a, you know, put pretty simply, is just the process of um, taking that, all the skills and knowledge and et cetera that you've learned through, um, either working or um, you know your general life skills, um, supporting an agency, delivering things. It's basically taking all those skills and knowledges, uh, knowledge that you've acquired, and applying it to a nationally registered qualification. So you know things like diploma of project management and so forth. Taking the things that you've learnt on the outside. Um, that maybe hasn't been classroom-based stuff, but it's been you know on the job or you know real life experience, and then and then providing you a piece of paper that say you know hey yes he's been managing risk and here's a here's a qualification for that person managing uh, risk and you know that's really important when it comes to being employed and so forth because employers are looking for that that piece of paper. It's more than just saying yes I can do this. It's about demonstrating that you actually have um, that piece of paper you know, on your CV. So I guess, uh, particularly in your line of work, how is this sort of going to benefit uh, defence members and, and veterans uh, with their civilian careers? Well, probably the, the, main, th the main reason um, you know, this is most crucial to defence members as they come out is the fact that at the high level, defence doesn't really um, provide you with the, the recognised qualifications that you deserve. Um, Defence is well known for providing outstanding world-class training for, for their, their people. I mean, when I was in, we would spend probably most of the week in a training environment. So you, you can spend 
um, you know, whether it's four, 10, 20 years working for the Defence Department, largely in a training environment, um, you know, doing things like risk management, doing things like planning and so forth, right, you know, along those lines. Um, however, you don't actually get the piece of paper that gives you the recognition. Now, that it's okay when you're working for Defence because Defence understands what you've been doing as you've gone through. But if you were to go, you know, go to an agricultural company and say, hey, I would like a job working for you, the first thing they're going to want to see is, well, where are your qualifications to prove that you can do risk or to prove that you can operate that truck or to prove that you can um, develop a plan or manage workplace health and safety. They're going to want to see the piece of paper that's nationally recognised to do that. So from a defence perspective, it's critical to, the, to those people coming out of defence that they get those things recognised. Now, defence doesn't usually want to provide those. So... Um, companies like Aimpoint RPL, you know, like ourselves, um, you know, we're critical to being able to provide that gap um, in that market. So is this is this something, uh, and we have sort of touched on this in the last couple of podcasts, but um, is, is this something that you particularly found uh, challenging when you were uh, uh, transitioning yourself? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think if you go back to those other podcasts that we've discussed, um, you know, I mentioned in there around the fact that when I left, um, you know, the idea around Aimpoint RPL wasn't something that we had. We went out, I went out and started working in industry and, you know, started a job and the aha moment hadn't come to me yet. And um, when I linked that back to the question, it, it, you know, I left with a certificate for, I think, in business administration, yet I was a sergeant in the Australian Army that had been part of the Army for 14 years in an organisation doing this like risks, planning, workplace health and safety. I had enormous skill capacity that outstripped those that when I got out into the civilian world, um, I was outstripping and outpart, you know, um, pacing those that were doing things like managing workplace health and safety, developing operational plans and, you know, and so forth. Um, yet they were getting paid and compensated and they were the ones doing the job um, because they had a piece of paper that said that, yet my actual experience was far more uh, in front of where they were. Um, so my own experience, and which is why we ended up, and I, I talked about it in a previous podcast, we end up we end up coming up with the idea of Aimpoint, because I, I went through and looked at that and said, you know what, I could do that. I can do workplace health and safety better than, better than you know, this person that's just done, you know, a degree uh, in it, but has no practical experience in it. Um, I can manage a risk register um, and be a risk manager better than the person that um, has gone and done some certificate somewhere, but has no practical, um, you know, uh, application. And in some cases, I had 14 years experience dealing with it. It was just the piece of paper that I was missing in it. So we went through a process of um, getting myself recognised and then through that actual process myself we, we realised hang on a second you know this is far more challenging than it needs to be because you know the, 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 the translation between civilian world and defence is there's a bit of a translation there and then there needed to be a company that could make that, that explanation uh, and make that translation for, for veterans so that it's not as challenging as it was for myself and I must say as cost uh, as costly as it was for myself. I mean, I spent thousands of dollars 
trying to translate each one of those at every single turn. You know, we must have spent tens of thousands of dollars trying to get the list of qualifications that we've ended up with. Um, and yet, you know, when you look at it for us, we are probably maybe 10%, you know, of the price of some of our competitors. So, you know, I, one, it's expensive, two, they don't understand, uh, and three, defence doesn't, um, doesn't really provide you with those qualifications. Yeah, so do you have perhaps some examples from some of your past students, I guess without naming names, but like, are there examples here where someone has come to you and they've actually been super highly qualified, they just haven't realised it basically because of where they've come from? Like, have you sort of sat there and gone, oh, wow, well, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like, um, you know, probably the one that jumps to the mind is most recently, um, I had a girl who, um, you know, was an officer in, I think it was the Navy from memory. Um, so had served in the Navy, had been through ADFA, had done all this stuff, um, had got out and started working for the, for the police force. And overall, there was about 20 years of work between defence as an officer um, and, you know, police force. Um, uh, however, wasn't really enjoying you know, the, the police force work and, and really wanted to get into um, project management from, a, you know, major projects and delivering that sort of stuff and had a high interest in capability development and events and stuff, but just had been applying for work and just wasn't getting it. Like, you know, despite the fact that there's, you know, a shortage on project managers in Australia, there's shortages of people with MV, yeah, security clear, clearance um, project managers in Australia, um, uh, she just wasn't getting across the line and you know we had a conversation and you know when I when I discussed with her I said well you, you know have have you managed risk before and, and she's like yeah of course uh, we talked about well have you done planning and, you know and naturally an officer and a police officer and so well, of course I've done planning um, so we went through the whole list of things and I said okay well you know we we can sort you out so you know we went through a process and did all the due diligence stuff that we, we have to do from a compliance point of view as well. Um, but we ended up getting her across the line and getting her a diploma of project management. And subsequently, she got the next job she applied for. Um, as a result of that, um, you know, she's obviously come back to us quite happy and, you know, thankful of our service. And I feel quite proud that we're actually able to have provided that to her because we've now given her uh, the opportunity to do the career that she wanted to do. Um, that she was just missing out on because she didn't have that piece of paper, you, you know, behind her at the end of the day, um, you know, which is which is disappointing from the fact that she didn't have it before and, and she met all those qualifications, but really proud from us the fact that we're offering a service that's not just about taking money or something from people. We're actually about building lives for, for veterans and, um, you know, that was a really good example for us. Is it sort of that there's a bit of a misconception of perhaps the barriers there that may sort of prevent defence members and veterans from sort of utilising RPL effectively? Yeah, look, I think, um, I mean, when I, if I recall back to when I was in service, uh, you know, like largely you just follow what you're told to do. So, you know, as an example, I'd go to a career transition seminar. They would say, you know, submit this form to defence and they'll give you qualifications what you do and you, and you trust it. You go, okay, well, defence will give me what I'm what I'm due, um, you know, like, uh, so, you know, that's one of the problems and defense gives you, as I said before, 
hardly anything really. They don't like to recognise um, the skill sets that you've been you've been awarded. Probably for a couple of reasons. One is pay. They don't want you to be you know recognizing the skills that you set you have because then you'll demand more more pay the second one is you know they don't want you to leave they want you to be inside the organization for life it's an organization for life and that's that's what it is um so that that's one of the issues um the next one is you know the other misconception is you know and i had the same issue and this is why we created aimpoint um when i went to talk to training providers and i said you know like Oh yeah, and I've done that in you know, developing operational orders or convoy orders or whatever. They have no idea what you're talking about. You know, like it's very confusing for for training providers that don't understand the defence environment to make that translation. And um, so, so that's the second barrier to it. And then the third barrier, I think it is, is um, you, you know, it's that peer to peer peer level. You know, in defence your whole network and family is those defence members around you and if they don't have the qualification, if they don't know where to go for it, um, then it's more than likely that you're going to be in the same boat. Uh, hence why we're trying to do this sort of like podcast really to start to promote some of that discussion, to share knowledge and to share experiences and it might not always be come back to us, it might be to go to a competitor etc. But our idea is around increasing the knowledge and awareness in the veteran community so that they know that they can go get things like RPL for, for broader qualifications and just with what Defence is providing to them. Are there specific industries or job sectors where RPL is particularly uh, valuable for Defence members and veterans? Oh, look, I would say almost every industry is, is, is the most, it's most important. Like, um, yeah, I take, for example, security, right? Um, if you are a infantry person, and, uh, and I'm just picking on infantry there, but it could be anything in defence, right? But let's say you want to be car, move into the security field when you leave defence, right? Well, defence isn't giving you the right security qualifications to be able to go out and be a security officer when you leave defence. You need to use RPL to go out and go get that qualification for yourself. Um, and so, it's pretty much any field really. I mean, project management, clearly defence is not providing defence members with that level of qualification. However, anyone from corporal up is developing project plans on a regular basis through things like project management, uh, uh, through things like admin instructions and joining instructions, delivering sets of orders. They're, they're things that you know members are doing regularly on a regular basis. So, there's no set particular role in which um, it's more important than the others. Um, it's just important that you work out more where you want to work, right? And then engage in companies like Aimpoint to, to help make that translation, translation for you so that you can have the right skill set on your CV to be able to apply um, for jobs moving forward. Yeah, it, um, it, it's, it's, it's amazing, I suppose, how 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 you're sort of saying, you know, you're not sort of limited just because you've been in the army, you can't go out and do something completely different um, and, and how some of these skills do sort of uh, translate elsewhere. I know even for myself, you know, and I'm sort of going a bit off topic here, but uh, I was always surprised that, um, you know, I had a lot of events management skills that I didn't even realise I had 
until I found myself in a role where I was basically running an event and I went, well, this is easy. I know exactly what I'm doing. Just yeah. no one had actually patted me on the back and said, you actually do know this? Yeah, no, I mean, it's exactly correct. I mean, if I, if I go back to that infantry person or a rifleman, right? Like internally, and I know what they say to themselves, I'm just a, I'm just a rifleman, I carry a weapon and you know, I pack march and I do stuff, you know, that, that's what they do. So then they look at their, their self-worth when they leave and go, well, what's there for me to do? Well, I would say a lot because, you know, when it comes along, you know, when, when it comes to digging into what they actually do, um, you know, like if I take a corporal, uh, a corporal in the infantry, right, they are consistently developing, uh, delivering under high pressure uh, operational plans, convoy orders, um, they are doing risk assessments. They are engaging with a large number of stakeholders under enormous pressure, and they are doing it on a daily basis far greater than any project manager does um, out in industry. So therefore, the skill sets that they're learning, be that not a necessarily, you know, diploma of project management or project management flavoured or worded, translates across 100%. Um, to delivery of projects and some of the greatest uh, project managers um, I've ever seen are those that have come across from some of the arms corps where you know they are under severe pressure to to develop and deliver um, planning stakeholder engagement manage risks uh, ever evolving risks um, uh, and uh, delivering outcomes consistently on a daily basis so um, you know, I, I I just think there's so much opportunity in this RPL space that defence members themselves just don't recognise what what exactly uh, their skill sets are, um, and I also think defence itself doesn't want them to know that as well. Like if I think about um, career transition days that they have, and everybody has uh, has to go to a career transition before they leave, right? They don't like companies like Aimpoint and things like that. Well, they don't allow us to come along to those uh, transition seminars because they don't want those members making that connection between, you know, hey, you, you may be an infantry person there and a rifleman there, and but we can get give you the right skills on your paper to get you employed on a major project, um, you know, with with uh, government or with industry, um, and. It's that sort of communication that we want to start to, to promote with people and start to um, support them uh, in realising that they're capable and they already have the skills to get that done. So what about sort of maybe from the opposite end here? Uh, do you think like um, employers and organisations, is there a way for them to sort of better recognise and appreciate the skills that these veterans and defence members are, are, are bringing to the civilian workforce? Is, is that something also from the opposite end? Yeah, you... look, and, and this is something that we're trying to work on from, from the other end. Like, I completely agree. Like, there's two sides of the story. Um, one is, you know, knowing that you're worth applying for those jobs. The other one is employers going, hey, that person needs what we need from, and, and them going after you and finding you. Um, you know, one of the things that we're doing now is starting to engage with uh, largely defence primes because that's the industry we're in, um, but starting to engage with them to say, hey, you know, 
we can start to put together some training programs internally for hiring staff and you know for HR staff to to help them understand um, the value that defence members you know bring across. And you know if we take that example of you know an infantry person, um, you know we want to be able to start to through our own system start training companies to say hey this is the value of those people you should be targeting um, arms corps people to become project managers um, and, and this is the reasons why so yes there is absolutely a space for defense companies to start going after some of that um, so we are starting to do that i think the other bit that government can do as well is start pushing and promoting and selling the the benefits to industry on 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 the benefits of veterans as they come out because at the end of the day there's there's between five and a half thousand to six thousand transitioning defense members every year in the defense industry we just do not we do not need to lose these people they can go into industry they can they can go work for a bae or a babcock or a saab or you know etc they can go work for those and they stay in the industry keeping those skills in the defense industry and defending our nation um, be that just outside of uniform. Um, and so we want to play our part to help make that translation. Um, you know, I, I think some of the companies themselves are getting much more aware that, you know, a lot of companies now are pretty pretty keen to be seen as veteran friendly um, as well. And, you know, I mean, recently we've been engaging with Saab and talking to them about how, um, you know, talking to them around their programs and, and so forth. And they have some pretty, pretty uh, keen plans to be able to support veterans. Um, we're engaging with BAE around, you know, being a, a preferred partner and helping them upskill their veteran community in there. And, and they've got some pretty keen plans. So, so we know industry is keen as well. They know it's there. It's just making those translation um, gaps. Um, and then finally, I think the other one is as well, you know, you've got organisations like RSL, um, which are doing an amazing job now at trying to help bridge that translation between the company uh, and the veteran themselves. I mean, we do a lot of work with RSL National and um, they are doing a fantastic job at communicating with industry. Um, their, their pipeline of veterans that are coming out and helping the veterans bridge those connections as well. And so I think, I think some of it's starting to come together. Um, but certainly Aimpoint, we have our own place to play in that and helping upskill companies um, to understand how they can best help veterans. And I mean, themselves, that 5,500, 6,000 transitioning mm. members every year, that is a large pool of people in a, in a, uh, a nation where getting workers is, is challenging. Mm. That is an attractive pool to, to pull from as well. So, um, you know, there's massive opportunity in that. I'm sort of going to sidetrack a little bit here, but is is there is there a bit of a stigma still about you know civilian companies employing veterans from a sort of negative point of view? Like, is it is it is it something that's you're sort of saying it's like companies are now more engaged to take on veterans? But is this something that wasn't the case twenty years ago? Um, I mean, myself and my own experience, I mean, I, and, and I've experienced this from a public service level as well. I mean, there is definitely people out there in a perception that, you know, once you employ a veteran, you're going to have to deal with a whole bunch of baggage from them and, and so forth. And, you know, one is an example that I've had to deal with. 
um, was, oh, well, you know, we can't put this person in front of a customer because, um, you know, they'll be too, you know, aggressive like in front of the customer um, and, you know, we need to spend some time with them first before we do that. You know, and I think it's just rubbish, really. Like, you know, so there is, it's a whole communication thing that we need to do. And um, like I've said probably a few times now, it's one of the reasons why we're trying to push this podcast, really. You know, um, veterans are amazing at, you know, stakeholder engagement, um, keeping people informed, delivering what, on what they say they're going to do. Um, but yes, there is, there's, a, there's still a communication perception in some people um, that, you know, they come, veterans come with their own challenges. Um, you know, and I, I think um, that's something that's only gonna be overcome by, you know, talking about that subject and, you know, going, okay, maybe some people have some challenges, but the broad range of people, most people that come out, you know, go ideally straight into, into the workforce um, and start contributing at quite a high level. Um, so, you know, like I, I think, uh, you know, the only way we're going to address those stigma is is by open discussion, by training companies, which is what we're trying to do uh, as well. Um, uh, and also through the members themselves, get out, you know, you're not just representing yourself, you're representing the veteran community and, you know, if you get out and make a good impression in the company, they're going to look for more of you. So it's up to each of us to try and, you know, uplift the next person as well. How do people usually go about finding RPL like uh, such as yourself? Uh, where, where do they, you know, I've just I've just uh, left defence. I've uh, walked out the door. Um, where do I start searching? Yeah, look, I mean, I, I mean, I can only imagine, you know, like myself, people start googling and searching for RPL and defence. Um, you know, like originally, it, when you're in uniform, you originally start by looking for where defence is going to provide you those qualifications. And, you know, I recall doing it myself and there's a form you can fill out and they'll, you know, they'll give you something, but not everything that you're worth. Um, you know, so my advice really to everybody um, would be, you know, listening to this and we're trying our hardest to get our, you know, our communication out to everybody this year. Um, and we're, we're pleased... You know, we'd love people to start sharing our story and sharing our website, etc. Um, but you know, we we would encourage everybody to start engaging with us. You know, around just go to our website. Um, you know, www.aimpoint.edu.au. Go to our Facebook site. Um, you know, uh, and just start to engage with us because even if it's a qualification that we don't have, and and I admit we we're new, we we've only got a few qualifications, and we're slowly, gradually building that up. But if we don't have something, at least we'll find the right place for you and send you off to. We're, we're not going to send you away because we don't have something. Um, that's not that's not our end game. Our end game is to support veterans in the transition. Um, so if there's something that I don't have, I will absolutely recommend you to, and I do recommend people to our competitors. Um, but I'll also do that in a way that I make sure that you're not going to get ripped off as well. Because if I know that there is a cheaper way to get something done, I will try to get you that, or I will try to help get you, you know, halfway down the the, the road before you get there. So, um, so my recommendation is to really reach out to us, and uh, you know, naturally, um, you know, if I was leaving, you know, so yes, you engage with defence first, and you find out what you can get. 
contact Aimpoint, let, reach out to us and we'll, we'll, we'll look at your particulars and make a recommendation on what we can do and then we'll make a recommendation on, you know, if we can't help you, where, where you can get some help. Um, you know, the, the other thing that you can do is start to create some mentors, you know, that are out there in industry as well. Um, it, you know, it's the other thing that we try to promote is find some other people that have gone through and done this process yourself. And, you know, one way you can do that is, you know, again, you can reach out to us and we'll help try and connect you with one of our past students or someone that we know. Um, or you can reach out to someone like RSL National. And if you look up, I think it's RSL Employment, um, and you go to their website, RSL has some fantastic uh, people, support people there. They will connect you with others and they'll also provide you um, some advice on where you can go to get RPL or, you know, even enhance your qualifications because that's the other thing really, you know. In some cases, RPL isn't going to get you there because, you know, for example, you know, if you want to become... Um, if you want to become a, medic, a, a nurse or something like that and you've never done nursing... Well, RPO isn't, it just isn't going to get you there. You're going to have to go and study, right? But, you know, there are people out there, including ourselves and RSL and so forth, that can help advise you on the best path to, um, to go down that path and, and get that as well. I, th I think you, you sort of covered what I was going to ask next, which is, which is what advice do you have for people uh, looking to get, uh, or who are considering RPL as part of their career transition? So Yeah, yeah look, and, and I think the most important thing for people to do is to start networking. It's the challenge, it's the, it is the biggest challenge when you leave is the loss of your network and your identity. Starting to communicate with us in your environment. If it's that you wanna go into the security field, then maybe you need to find some veterans that are working in the security field. If it's project management, then you need to start engaging with people in the project management field that are veterans. If it's nursing, you need to start engaging with people that have gone into that medical space, uh, etc. cetera. Um, you know, likewise, and, and companies like Aimpoint or RSL, you know, we're here to help and we can support uh, people make those connections. I'm more than happy to talk to someone for an hour or so if they need be. That isn't going to lead to a you know a qualification being issued because that's not we're not here uh, to necessarily just sell our product. We're here to support veterans, um, you know, in their career transition. Uh, you, you know, and providing RPO is just one of the things that we're, we're able to do. I guess just then going on from what you've just said, uh, because you used the nurse as the example there, but so are there specific qualifications or um, uh, certificates that defence members and veterans should aim for through RPL to improve their career prospects? Yeah, look, I mean, we the, the reason we've chosen the units we have is because they're probably the most common ones that people from all cores and trades and stuff would have. So project management, absolutely people should be going for project management because it doesn't matter what field you're in what sector etc project management sits in every single sector um, and and as i mentioned before defense members always are planning managing risk developing operational plans etc etc so the the two translate perfectly leadership is the other one so leadership and management workplace health and safety um you know business these things are think uh, security. These are all things that um, almost all defence members, um, be that Navy, Army, Air Force, all come out with um, experience in those things. And and for us at Aimpoint, they're the, they're the priorities for us in terms of building 
um, our qualifications. And if we don't have that, we'll make those connections um, in some cases uh, where, to, where to get that as well. So uh, it is the start of a new year, although we are, uh, you know, you could be listening to this podcast at any time during the year, but uh, is there anything uh, that Aimpoint uh, in particular has, has got planned for sort of the next 12 months? Yeah, look, we, you know, we're, we're really keen this year to start to build on our RPL uh, program um, and we're growing our qualifications, so we'll grow our courses throughout the year. Um, but we're also looking to roll out other programs, um, sorry, to expand on our other programs like our online learning. And we're also working with the industry to try and roll out some traineeships for defence members um, so that, you know, people can come straight out of uniform, be employed by a company and we'll provide 12 months of mentorship over the top uh, where we deliver a qualification to them in an employed, uh, in an employment, uh, with employment as well. So. There's some key things that we're starting to try and do. Um, we'll also try to build on things like this where we start to increase the level of uh, awareness and knowledge and discussion with defence members through things like our podcasts and um, you know other multimedia that we might get out to people as well. So we're looking to increase the, uh, the, the education and the awareness uh, for, for defence members as they leave defence and um, improve uh, improve that transition process for them well I, I do like to ask you a final question that's completely off topic uh, as, as I like to <laughs> I like to throw you a curveball at the end um, given that we are recording this in January uh, and again people could be listening to this in October but uh, we are recording this in January we do have Australia Day coming up I just want to uh, look Regardless of what uh, people think of the day, how do you particularly like to celebrate it? Oh, look, I think for me, um, you know, it's sort of the same as Anzac Day. I think it's a quiet reflection for me, a day where I can either um, chill out on a beach somewhere or, you know, I can chill out with my family and just reflect on um, how lucky we really are to be here in Australia. Um, you know, whether that is... Uh, you know, um, whether that is reflecting on how lucky we are from, you know, all the employment opportunities and things we have, um, you know, the beautiful landscapes that we have everywhere, um, the freedoms that we share. But, but for me, you know, I always reflect on the fact that, especially as a defence member, you know, having, having left and having been a veteran, um, you know, the sacrifice that others have put in and all the hard work that others have put in for us to be able to, you know, enjoy the freedoms that we have. We're just so lucky. And so for me, I'm not a big one for going out and making a big scene about the days. Um, I just like to quietly reflect um, on those days. And they're probably the most two important days for me for the year, you know, aside from aside from Christmas Day itself, which is very family orientated. Um, I think those two days for me are probably the most important days because it's sort of like, there's actual meaning behind those two days of mm. you know how lucky we are to be here and how lucky it is that I have the freedom to be able to support um, to support people as they leave um, you know defence and start a business and go after things that I want to go after um, you know my kids can grow up and go after a career that they want to go after and putting aside any any you know other issues around you know Australia Day in particular. 
you know, all of those things have only come about because other people who are no longer with us um, have played some little part in the community. And for me, that's what we want to do, is play our little part so that the next bit is even better for people and they can reflect on, you know, the work that we've done to support, you know, our community and so forth. But yeah, so uh, hopefully it doesn't get too teary. I'm just saying like... That was a very meaningful <laughs> answer. It was better than the answer I was going to give, which is, um, you know, years ago, uh, I think even when you were recruited out at, uh, up in Brisbane there, I don't know if you remember, but the Story Bridge Hotel used to do cockroach racing on Australia <laughs> Day. Uh, I think I went once to it. I don't think they do it anymore. But, but, but isn't that beautiful that, you know, to celebrate the Australian Day, you can do whatever you want, including cockroach racing. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like, I, I just can't think, even when they talk about, you know, America being the land of the free and stuff like that. I mean, I can't imagine that, you know... Any other country would have as much freedom as we do here in Australia to do whatever, say whatever we want. Um, and, and I just think that the people in Australia, we just keep building on that capability um, and those freedoms. Um, and for me, that's what Australia Day means. But for me, I, I, I take my right to be able to put my feet up somewhere, whether that's on a beautiful beach or at home or something like that, and just reflect on stuff like that. Yeah, no, I think that, that's a great answer. And uh, yeah, it's look, we, we're here in uh, Gawler in South Australia, and uh, you went down the main street before, and it's uh, the flags are out, that's for sure. So you can, uh, you can feel that vibe in the air, and uh, that's good to see, actually, because I think you're right. It's nice to have those freedoms and, and the ability to, even if you don't like the day, that's your freedom to not actually enjoy the day, too. So it goes both ways, isn't it? It's still a celebration of one way or the other. So that's right. Yeah. So, Mark, I think uh, unless there's anything else you want to touch on here, if there's anything I uh, haven't asked you that you've been burning for me to, to ask you. Uh, no, like I think, you know, like in a, really just to the main audience, um, you know, like we're really keen to try and make this an informative um, podcast. We want this to stay relevant to the community. So if there's anything people want us to cover off, if there's anything people want us to talk about or talk to or have on, on these podcasts, more than happy, just let us know. Send us an email at inquire at aimpoint.edu.au or go to our website. Um, and we're more than happy uh, to try and facilitate for you. If you're interested and want to come on and talk, talk to us, more than happy to. But reach out. We're going to make this. Uh, we're going to continue to do this. Uh, if no one listens to us, no one listens to us, but we're going to continue to do this pretty regularly um, and hopefully it supports the, the wider community. And I just thank anyone that has clicked on this um, and, uh, yeah, hopefully it's informative. Thanks very much, Mark. No worries, Matt. Thanks.